Survival Podcast, episode 2000, I'm sorry, 3,319. A lot of times these Monday shows are like current events and stuff like that. This one sort of will be, but it's really on one main focus, and that is, well, if you've read the title, Hindsight is Blind in 2023. I want to tell you how this episode happened. Last week, I did an episode saying that there was nothing that the media hated more than the truth. And I gave example after example after example of the media lying. I explained why the media lies, how the media lies, etc. Somebody made a very brief comment on that episode. It was simply, hindsight is 2020. Now, this person may or may not have been making that comment in a trolling fashion. And this is what I mean. They could mean, hey, you big dumbass, you can say all this because it happened in the past and you can look back at it and point to it uh, and, and been a little bit of a troll of the show or me or something. It happens all the time. Don't know this person, you know, one of these YouTube accounts with no content, no real history, no nothing. So it could have been a troll. I let it go. I didn't get rid of the person or ban them or anything like that. And it also could have been made a totally different way. And then I have found, and I've done it myself, so I try to be really careful with assuming things because we know what that does, right? Some of us do learn from the past. Uh, most don't. But sometimes a person will make a comment, and if you think it's to you as the creator, it seems one thing. But if they actually were responding to somebody else and they didn't thread it right, they just made it as independent con comment, but they thought it was uh, a threaded comment, then they're talking not to you. So... I don't know, but it, it actually really kind of hit home for me. No matter how it was meant, it was actually a very astute comment in that it's not true. Hindsight's not 2020. Hindsight is blindsight in, in 2023. And I only said 2023 in the title because it happens to be 2023. This has been true for decades. People don't learn from their mistakes. And, and basically, is this not something that I have told you since the very beginning just saying it a different way. What do I say about history when people say, we study history so we can learn from the mistakes of the past? I'm like, that's that's not why we study history, is it? No. No, we don't study history to learn from the mistakes of the past. That's not the people that study history because they want to study history, that actually understand history, that actually like learning about history. So we study history because we know that if some dumbass did some dumb thing in the past, that some dumbass will do the same dumb thing in the future. Haven't I been saying that for almost 15 years? I think so. And we're just going to take a larger look at this reality today. But no, people don't learn from the past. Hindsight's not 2020. If hindsight was 2020, there's a whole lot of shit that people do all the time today that they wouldn't be doing anymore. Like, oh, I don't know, listening to the news? Voting? Saying stupid shit like we're going to hold them accountable. Like when you do something that you've been doing your whole life and it hasn't worked yet and you keep doing it, right? There's a whole quote about it being a definition of insanity. It's a definition of stupid. Insanity, that's not insanity. It's stupidity. And we're going to talk about 
things today like? We're going to go back through what Gelman Amnesia is from the creator of Jurassic Park uh, in the TV series ER, Michael Crichton. Uh, we'll do a little bit on the serious stupidity from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And we'll talk about how we can only do this because the pain feedback loop has been disrupted. If stupid hurt, it wouldn't be so easy to keep doing it. We're going to dig deep into the problems we have in society today, and then we're going to move on to solutions because, like I said last week, you can't expect that anybody else is going to change, and you can only hold yourself accountable. So if all these things are true, if all this bad shit, stupid shit, dumb shit is going to keep happening, if we are going to keep doubling down on stupid for the foreseeable future, if we're not going to reinstate the the pain feedback loop until Mother Nature does it for us, what do you do about it? Well, you do the stuff that we've always been talking about. We're just going to come at it from a little different of an angle today. Before we do that, let's hear from our sponsors of the day. And I am giving Sean Mills a sponsor spot today at no cost because I want to see him succeed, except he has already succeeded. So how can you help? I want you to kick Sean Mills. Kick Sean. That seems mean. He's a nice guy. I want you to kick Sean Mills in the sense of a Kickstarter. He has a solar water pumping DIY secrets and savings Kickstarter that he is running right now. He still has 34 to get, days to go, and he's already fully funded. I don't know if he'll be adding some stretch goals or not, but this is a really cool thing. And as I said last week, it would make a lot of sense, in my opinion, to just look at the fact that Sean has been part of the expert council for about five years now. For five years, he's answered your questions, both on the show, multiple interviews, tons of questions from the audience, but in Telegram, uh, other social media, in real world events. This guy has supported everything this community has asked for and more from him for half a decade. Invest in him by kicking him. Kick him a few bucks. Uh, and and it's it's really valuable information as well. I mean, one of the secrets to staying alive is to have water and to be able to move water, right? I mean, that is one of the foundations of civilization is the ability to move water. Being able to move water also opens up things like, well, can I really buy this property? Can I really build on this property, et cetera? So it is a great value, but it's also investing in someone who has really worked hard and invested in this community. Just a little bit of payback. Next up today, John Bush with Live Free Academy has a new solar DIY workshop. This is to teach you how to build the solar system itself. And I'll tell you what's really cool about this. It's only 57 bucks. If you are near Bastrop, you can go in person until they run out of tickets anyway for the in-person. Or you can participate virtually. It's a two-hour workshop. When you are done, you will be able to start from nothing, put together a list of materials, source those materials, and put together a small-scale system, solar with batteries. And once you can do that, you can expand it. You put the two together, and you've really got something. So check both of these out. And with that, uh, let me also let you know real quick, if you're watching the video, there's links for both of them in the video notes below. And if you're listening to the audio and you want to check these out, come on by today's show notes, episode 3319, and you'll find links to them there. And I get a little bit of kickback from both of them for it. So uh, I would appreciate you using my links. With that, let's dig into this. So I want to start off with just two things we've covered before, and then what I call the pain feedback, pain feedback loop disruption problem. 
Okay. So Gelman amnesia, I, I've talked about this before, so I don't want to go too deep into either one of these, but it's a very simple premise. What Michael Crichton said, the, the pain feedback, uh, or I'm sorry, the, uh, the Gelman amnesia phenomenon is you're reading a newspaper, you read the newspaper about an article that you're very, uh, on a subject you're very well informed on. The article is biased and misleading and wrong. So you immediately write off the article, you write off the author, you do not put any trust in what you just read, you know it's bullshit, and so you just take it and you throw it away. You turn the page of the newspaper, same publication, same editors, you read something else, you're not well informed about it, and you allow it to affect your worldview, because when you turn the page, you forgot what you knew five seconds ago. Gelman amnesia. Okay? That is a big part of our problem. And Kelly says, stupid should hurt. I agree. We're going to get there very, very, very soon. We do have one more thing to cover before we get to stupid hurting, though. And that is the theory of stupidity from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. So as Germany was heading full on into control by the Nazis and the, the, the folly of national socialism. Dietrich Bonhoeffer looked at it before it became, I mean, again, hindsight being 2020, this guy was forward looking. When this person said on my last episode that hindsight was 2020, <clears throat> if they were taking a dig at me, I don't care because the things we were talking about, I said before they happened. That's not hindsight, that's foresight. So Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a minister and a writer in Germany in the 1920s and 30s. And he saw what was coming, and he did a lot of writing. But the, the piece of writing we're talking about today called The Theory of Stupidity was explaining exactly why what was about to happen was going to be able to happen. And he was very clear in this theory of stupidity that he didn't mean intellectually slow, stupid. He didn't mean the person that would walk up to a beehive, stick their penis in it, and smack the top of it, and then go through it again, even though that's a good metaphor, we'll probably come back to it, okay? What he meant was when people have been made stupid versus reality, in order to manipulate them into doing something that you wanted them to do, to control the crowd with a wave of the hand so that it resembled the sea, in the words of one of our famous... Uh, Roman philosophers, okay? And, and that's what he was talking about. He he said that the stupid person, and he was really talking about stupid people in mass, were more dangerous than violent people. When people were just directly violent, it's kind of assumed that you have a right to use violence against them, yeah? But when somebody has been made stupid through programming, and then they act in large numbers. They can be exceedingly dangerous because they cannot be reasoned with, and they're generally protected by the state who is the one that made them stupid in the first place. So now you have a protected class of people behaving in a stupid manner, and then the last piece of this. So you get those first two. Now here's your last piece, and it goes back to the stupid should hurt, right? We have disrupted the pain feedback loop. With stupid, and I'm not just talking about the jokes made about OSHA and stuffing like stuff like that. But I, I, I do think, and I was talking to this about a friend recently, uh, talking with this about talking about this with a friend this weekend, that if we just removed all the warning labels and took away all of the uh, the basically bubble wrap around society, in a generation, two tops, a problem would self rectify because stupid would be in a herd. But we have created a insulation 
of the pain feedback loop. And we've done it in some of the worst places. I'm not just talking about the stupid millennial that wants socialism and to be able to go down and buy avocado toast anytime they want. Right. I, I don't just mean that. And then has a degree in bitterness studies and can't get a job and wants you to pay for their. I'm not just talking about that. The biggest place that we've created disruption in the pain feedback loop was really two public sector and the private sector. Let's do with the public sector first. And this to agree has always been the case. It's the main problem we have with the state. A politician or a bureaucrat can be wrong all the time, never be right and never suffer a consequence for it. So in most instances, if you fail enough times, you will get fired. But people fail all the time in government and never get fired. So that's one version of the insulation that was applied to the pain feedback loop that stops the pain from reaching the person that caused the problem. And uh, as Tom says, stupid does hurt. It hurts everyone else. And that's a prime example of it. When a, a bureaucrat, an unelected bureaucrat decides that, you know, what we really need to do is we need to lock down society over a respiratory illness and then propagates it through a bureaucracy and destroys the global economy, causes the greatest inflation spike in, in U.S. history. Certainly, I wouldn't say world history, but in recent world history, if we don't count like outliers like Zimbabwe or something, this ridiculous global inflation spike completely disrupts society, causes kids not to go to school, impairs the language, creates a spike in suicides, on and on it goes. And no one who did it pays for it. That is the, the public sector's disruption. But the public sector is not happy enough to do that because the public se sector is a bunch of marionette, marionettes, right, with the hands of the oligarchs and the elite up their butt and pulling strings at the same time, making them say and do what they want them to do. So one of the things then is a second pain disruption. And that is anytime there's a big problem for giant corporations, whether there's just not enough money in circulation, uh, credit dries up, or, or anything goes wrong, or you have this new thing that doesn't actually work, but you want to bring it to market anyway, we'll put some tax subsidies behind it. Like The public sector then disrupts the pain feedback loop of the private sector, making sure they're well-funded, have lots of money, and nobody loses their job, and nobody goes to jail, and everybody gets away with it. Every once in a while, they'll throw somebody up like a Bernie Madoff, and they'll throw them in jail, but you know their buddies are doing far worse every day, and they're protected from the pain feedback loop. And this is important because the pain feedback loop is how we survive as human beings. If you think about it, this was an example that you probably get fired as a teacher today for using it today in school. But I remember being told this somewhere around my freshman year of high school. Could have been a year before, could have been sophomore year. I don't know. Somewhere in that range. The teacher said, you know, if you if you go into a kitchen and you turn the burner on an electric stove to a young person, it kind of looks pretty. So we don't let them touch it because if they do, they're going to burn themselves very badly. But if someone ever does it, if someone ever watches the burner heat up, sticks their hand on it, they immediately jerk their hand back. If you're a kid, you probably start crying your ass off and it hurts. It hurts bad. And there's better ways to learn than that. But if you insist on doing it, the burner will teach you don't touch the burner. 
Now, if you're touching something like high voltage lines, you, you get to learn the lesson for about a millisecond before you're dead. But in most instances, we do things that hurt that aren't fatal. And across time, we accumulate enough knowledge to not kill ourselves. This makes, so it's a very valid biological function. There's actually an illness or a condition, and I don't remember what it's called. It's genetic. That it, it does not allow the person who has it to feel pain. On the surface, this might seem like, you know, that would be kind of nice. Imagine never feeling pain. But it's not. It's, it's, it's a horrible, horrible condition to have. People that have this condition invariably seriously injure themselves because they don't know when they're hurting themselves. You know, people have it happen in combat. A guy gets his arm blown off, feels no pain because of adrenaline and shock. He still has a problem. There's no arm there. Now, imagine if you were like that all the time. Think of how many ways you can hurt yourself. Think about when you go to the dentist and you have work done at the dentist and they numb you up and your face feels like a giant balloon, right? And your tongue is numb. And, and, and they, they've done everything and they cleared you to go home. And what do they do? They take a cotton wad or a gauze wad and they stick it in your mouth. They say, bite down on this. Leave it in your teeth. Now, why do they do that? Well, they do that because they have disrupted your disrupted your pain feedback loop with something like Novocaine or Lidocaine. And you can literally eat your tongue off. You won't know you've bit your tongue until you start tasting the blood. So you can very seriously injure yourself, biting your cheek, biting your tongue, whatever, because you don't feel the pain because you're numb there and you're unaccustomed to it. We've done this to society as a whole. We have created all of these little protected bubbles. And within that bubble, basic pain feedback has been disrupted. We've created a welfare system that is so over the top that people literally fail on purpose to get inside that bubble. Yeah, we've created pain feedback loops for the guy who can't be a qualified athlete and actually compete as a man, grow his hair long, put on some fake tits, say I'm a girl and become a champion. So we've eliminated the pain feedback loop that you suck at this and you either need to find something else to do or you need to work a lot harder. So then we bring everybody down. And this is all intentional. Make no mistake about it. It's all in, it's all intentional on some level. And on another level, it's less intentional and more like, oh, look what we've done. Well, how do we make the best of it? That's how the people that run society look at it. Like, you know, maybe this was a mistake, but we're not going to stop doing it. Now that we have this thing, what can we get them to do next? And society's literally turned into, and you saw this with the COVID shit, right? Toward the middle of it, when the hysteria had raged, and a lot of people had gone, guys, I'm out. I'm not playing this game anymore, right? But there was like half a society that was still like, oh, what are they telling us to do now? It almost felt like you're in that state. Remember when you were in like second grade or something and they used to play Simon Says and the teacher would be like, Simon Says, touch your nose. Take your finger off your nose. Oh, Simon didn't say. And you got all the kids out of the game, right, that were stupid. That's the first ones. Those were the dumb ones, right? In this game of Simon Says, the dumb ones stay in. But eventually, some of the smart ones realize how stupid the game is, and they just stop playing the game. Well, in school, it was the smart ones that played the game, but then the teacher would get to a point where, like, I got, like, six of these kids left. None of them are dumb enough to trick. How how far will they go to win? You know? And they start asking you to do really dumb things, 
to see if you would do it. That's how it got. Like, wear three masks now. You know? Like, it's just crazy that it worked, but it did. And hindsight should be 2020. It really should. If you think about it, when you don't disrupt the pain feedback loop, when you don't introduce a lot of political tribalism into it, the pain feedback loop remains constant. Hindsight is generally 2020. How many people, I wish there was, we had a group of people in an audience that were live where I could see hands raised. How many people have ever touched an electric fence? How many never did it again? Right? Like you got, I'm not doing that again. Most sane people, if they drink enough to have that really bad hangover experience, they tend not to do it again. They certainly tend not to do it every day unless they go into a full-on substance abuse problem where they can't control themselves anymore. But a normal person without a drinking problem that experiences a massive hangover is probably done for at least a year or two of having another one because it hurts, because it hurts. But if we were to disrupt it so it didn't hurt, we gave you a pill that said you'll never have a hangover, and it worked. Probably blow your, a person that's predisposed to drinking probably blow their liver up in five years or less. So we, it's very dangerous. And, and, and because we've done this, we can just look at all these places that hindsight would tell us, don't do that, and we keep doing it. How about the education systems? The education system as we know it, I'm talking, let's just stick K-12 right here. The United States has continued to have its world ranking in math, science, English, history decline. We are ranked lower in the world than when I was in school. And we spend like 100 times more money per student than when I was in school. We just keep doubling down. We spend more money, no real changes. Whenever somebody says, hey, there's problems with education, the first thing we do is say teachers are heroes. You're not allowed to say this. But, yeah, you're right. There sort of is a problem. So let's just pay everybody more. We've increased administrators 10x in the last 20 years in the education system. We've increased the cost per student exponentially. And we act as if if we just threw enough money at this, and that just becomes the standard solution, that we fix this. But nobody says, wait a minute. How about we use some hindsight? Why don't we look at the nations that are in the top 10? For education, which, by the way, the United States, the most powerful and freest nation in the world. Everybody wants to be like us. We're not in the top 10 for education in the world. What if we said, let's compare how much money do we spend per student? How much money do they spend per student? And see if there's a correlation there. And we'd find all of those nations spend less per student than we do. We'd say, shit. Maybe money's not the solution. Maybe we need to change something. We'd also say, why don't, what does a day in school look like for these kids? What does their life look like when they go home? We might also say, these crazy homeschool people, why do they, on, on, in general, across the board on average, do so much better than the kids in this education system we keep throwing more money at? We would look at, but we don't. Our education system is pretty much the same as since the late 1800s. Yeah, we put some computers in the class and some gay flags on the wall. And, you know, we taught the kids that it's okay to protest by not coming to class as long as we agree with what you're protesting with, which that's not how protesting works. If you leave when the people in power agree with when you leave, you're not protesting. 
our education system has dumbed children down so much they think they're protesting when the when they agree with authority. I don't know how much more screwed up you. Now we would look at this if we were a society that had hindsight at all. Freaking my my left eye that some of you make fun of, right? I'm blind in it. I'm, I got 2200 vision with an extremely narrow field of vision. That's why it kind of drifts off on its own sometimes, okay? Society's hindsight is worse than my left eye. I'm sorry. It is. The standard American diet created epidemics of obesity, diabetes, cancer. Do you know what we need? More dietary advice following the same paradigm that got us here. Anybody with hindsight would go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's go back in time a little bit here and let's look at this. When did obesity rates explode? When did cancer rates explode? When did autism explode? When did, you know, when did type 2 diabetes explode? When did heart disease explode? And then they would say, we found the point. By the way, it's all about the 1970s. And we'd say, what changed? Well, we started teaching people to build a diet based on bread. That's what happened. That's what happened. People ate bread in the 1960s. But the diet wasn't based on it. Now, there's a lot of other things that come into this, like industrialized food and all. We'll talk about that in a bit. But you can see, like, if you go track all of these serious medical conditions, you can see them all explode and, and follow each other and track. Like, if you adjust for, for scale, it's, it's, they're all almost identical. If we had any hindsight in our leadership, in our education system, in our professional class, or just in our people in general, we'd stop doing this. But we've disrupted the pain feedback loop. I have a family member right now, lost some weight, very excited. Why? Because they're taking O-O-O-Zambic, right? Okay, yay! Okay, all we've done there is ensured that we will give this person more time to continue on a path of type 2 diabetes and being overweight because they feel insulated by this pill, right? So pharmaceuticals have created an insulation against the, the feedback loop. There's literally a pill. I want you guys to know this. This is, this is crazy that this exists, and this is not new. This is decades old. You can get so fat that you've literally used all your fat cells, and your body's like, I'm, I'm, I'm tired, boss. I'm just tired, boss. I can't do it anymore. I can't make you any more fat cells. And they can give you a pill that will return your ability to produce more fat cells so you can get fatter. Because if there's not a place for it to go, you have a bigger problem. That's disruption of the, of the pain feedback loop. Tom says they're losing muscle mass, too. Absolutely, they're losing muscle. So the, the muscle mass has declined. The fat percentage has increased. And let me be clear what, what Tom means about losing muscle mass. Yes, if I put on 20 pounds of fat, my percentage of body weight that is muscle would go down, but it could also remain constant. Let's say I had 80 pounds of muscle mass or 70 pounds of muscle mass, whatever it is. It could stay constant. But what's actually happened is the muscle, total muscle mass, if you took the fat out, has gone down. The estrogen in our men has gone through the roof while the estrogen in our women has declined. And we have made no effort as a people to change this other than the subcultures like keto, paleo, carnivore, right? 
primal. Like these, these are thinking people that say, Hey, pay attention. But most people say what? Well, keto is so restrictive. You're not even allowed to eat things that are really good for you. Like mangoes and papayas. And you say, well, how much sugar is in a mango? The person saying it doesn't know. They have no hindsight. Zero. And you can differ with me about dietary choices. But I promise you, if you're a healthy person, that when you get your labs back, you have great lab numbers, and you're in your 40s or older, you're not eating a standard American diet. So even the diet plans that I would say, I don't think that's optimum. Every single one that is planned out and you think before you shove food in your mouth is better than average. But we don't learn from that either. What if we move on? What about the industrialization of our food supply? This is this has gone right along with it. Your grandparents didn't eat soybean oil. Your grandparents didn't eat canola oil. They did not. Now, if you're really, really young and they're still around, okay. If you look like me, if you got gray in the beard, right, you know, or up in the temples, if you're a gal and you'll have a beard, right, your grandparents did not eat soybean oil. They did not eat cottonseed oil. And they knew it was bad. My father's still around. He's in his late 70s. And I remember him saying when people started eating cottonseed oil, he goes, why the hell would you eat that? And I, didn't, I was a kid. I didn't know any. But I you know, did learn some things from my family. But he's like, think about what cotton looks like. And I knew what cotton like. And you take a whole bunch of those seeds, you squeeze them, and the goo that comes out of here, you're going to eat that? I'm like, oh, yeah, some bitch. Yeah, Dad, you, you, you know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. But that was the last generation, right? My dad is a full-on, like a like an old boomer. Last generation had even thought that way, except for the outliers. Hopefully, you're an outlier. So we've industrialized our food because what people eat today is not food. It's industrial waste. It's industrial. We have learned nothing. Medical treatments that have completely failed are still prescribed and still used by patients. Medical treatments with no perceivable advantage are being used. Some are life-altering medical treatments. And I, I don't want to get really specific because give you an example of not learning from hindsight. YouTube just took down another one of my videos. I took down one of my videos. It's so old. It was an episode of Unloose the Goose. So it was at least two and a half years old. It was about the healthcare system. I don't even know what we talked about. It's so long ago, I friggin' forgot. They sent me, they sent me a message that said, we, we know you may not have known that you violated our policies. So all we did was take the video down. This video, nobody's watched this video forever. You know what it's about, right? You know what it's about. It's about the thing, right? That goes in your arm. Well, don't we know that all of the shit that they said was a lie, but still people line up for it? Still people do it. Still people defend it. And I want to pause on this one. And I want to talk about the two ways this happens. There are people that have become completely engrossed in the stupidity to the point of political tribalism, where even when they know it's a lie, they'll defend it. And this is the right and the left do this. This is not the majority of the people. It seems like it because they're the ones with the biggest freaking mouths, especially online. Most of these people that believe this, they just believe it because the guy in a white coat said so. Yeah, 
Most of these people believe it because the TV says so. The guy in the white coat says so. The guy in the suit and tie says so. The guy at the head of the room says so. The guy with the government position says so. And they're not really paying attention day to day. They just believe what they're told. And nothing could be more true when it comes to things about medical treatments. First thing I want to know when a doctor wants to prescribe a treatment for me, which doesn't happen often because I don't go often, because honestly, other than a couple injuries that I've had, I haven't been to the doctor for shit in almost 30 years because I don't want to go to the doctor because they're not going to help me. But if, if I was, I had a I cancer or something, this is the treatment for, why? What's the success rate of this treatment? What are alternatives to this treatment? See, I'm aware that there is a hindsight to be had. Just because the guy with the stethoscope and the coat said to do it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. It doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. I'm going to avail myself of we're at this point in history, and this thing that you want to do, we've done this for a while. We've done other things. What do they all look like? What are the outcomes? What are the risks? You know, if it's probably going, I'm probably going to die, and it's going to give me an extra week, and I got six months to live, and it's going to make most of the last six months worse, I'm probably just going to die a week earlier. Why? I'm going to learn from hindsight. Most people won't. So we have people constantly following, following medical advice that has failed, right? You have a doctor, the guy got type 2 diabetes. He gives a person insulin, you know, oral insulin to start, says eat a little bit better, move a little bit more, take these pills, check your sugars, you'll be okay. That guy inevitably gets fatter, more diabetic, higher A1C, even if they give them Ozempic or some other shit, right, that, that lowers their A1C, the overall trend continues up until they lose a foot or a kidney or they die. But we keep doing it. And, no, and again, the pain feedback loop has been disrupted. As long as that doctor follows a protocol and does what the insurance companies and the government says, he will never suffer a consequence if a thousand of his patients lose a foot and or a kidney. Or they blow their kidneys up. He'll never suffer a consequence. He'll never, you'll never even successfully sue him. Ever. Ever. Pain feedback loop disruption. Look for it in all of these. How about military intervention? The last time the United States military intervened in a place that it didn't turn into a complete clusterfuck disaster. Honest to God was the Korean War. And that wasn't a victory. It was at best a tie. And we ended up right back where we started. And three weeks into it, we could have said, done, and went right back to where we started, and it would have been the end of it. Instead, it turned into a three-year meat grinder, invoked a proxy war, and eventually a hot war with China, resulted in the death of like 25% of the people in North Korea. And we got nothing for it. But I'll, I'll still put it in overall, since it ended up back where it started, and we might have been better off just saying, have we not cut a country in half and set it out to our own ends anyway? So we caused it. But if I give you that Vietnam to today, Vietnam to today, and there's Vietnam veterans who were drafted in their 20s who are dead today from basic old age. And it's been that it's been not just a generation. It's been a full generation cycled out and is now exiting the system due to aging out. That every military intervention this country has taken has caused a clusterfuck failure. Iraq is worse for our intervention. But Saddam Hussein's dead, okay? Yeah, I'm sure we could. If that was all I wanted to do, I'm sure we could have pulled that off. 
You really think it was that hard to do? Get one guy. Come on. I'm sorry. It's nonsense. It's worse. Afghanistan is worse than before we touched it. I mean, literally the entire Middle East, everything we touch gets worse. But we're insulated from it. World War II, you got told how much freaking meat you could buy. If you were a woman, there were like pantyhose were rationed because they needed nylon. Right? We had a cost to the average person for World War II. We have not had a cost to the average person in this country since then. Pain, feedback, loop, disruption. Your life went on. Now, I know some people say, well, my, I, I, just, I lost a son or I lost a brother. Or whatever. I feel for you. I do. But your ability to eat avocado toast didn't change. Whether or not you could buy something in a metal can didn't change. You didn't have a ration on how much meat you could buy in a week. You're insulated from the consequence of war through a fiat monetary system where they could just print money. They didn't have to sell a war bond to pay for all these wars. Right. When they couldn't afford Vietnam anymore. You ever notice that? I mean, everybody talks about um, what was the French president that was cashing in the U.S. dollar. Right. The Gaul was it the Gaul? Whoever it was. Right. That's why Nixon went off the gold standard in 71. And, and then we reinstated private gold ownership in 75. You ever notice this? Like toward the end of the Vietnam War, but we're not done yet. And there's no money to pay for Vietnam. And they're talking about a peace dividend and shit. All of a sudden, they can just print money. Coincidence? Or are you just not using the hindsight that's, that's available to you? All right. How about the media has been caught lying thousands of times? We, we, we hit that pretty hard on Thursday last week. So I don't need to do it. But the media has literally been caught lying. There's the, the dogs are going to go nuts, guys. There's a guy here to work on the air conditioner. If you hear the dogs, I'm just going to roll it. Um, anyway, thousands of times, the United States media as a whole has not just made errors. They have literally hidden information and lied, and they are still cited to prove a point, and they are still trusted as an authority on fact and logic and reason. Now, I know what you're thinking. Not me. Not me. I didn't. I didn't do that. I, I don't trust them. Yeah, but the average person does. If they saw it on the news, it's true. And if they see it on the news, and it comes out that it was a lie, until the news itself says it was a lie and they mess and they actually once in a while take accountability or change the story. The person will continue to, in, to, to believe it is the truth and they will get angry when you tell them it isn't. And not only will they get angry when you tell them it isn't, when do they get the most mad? When do they get the most angry? When is a person who believes a thing to be true, even a thing that doesn't really affect their life, and you tell them it's not true, and they're pissed. What makes them more pissed? Proof. Logic, fact, reason, fact, proof. When you show a person who's arguing a point with you that they're wrong, assuming they're the average or below, they get really mad. They get really angry. They start shrieking, right? They, they start talking if they're in text, we're, we, the way we explain what they're doing is we do the shit where, like, every other letter is capitalized. Like, autistic level shrieking intensifies because it is such a painful experience of cognitive dissonance that they can't handle this and they lose their freaking minds. A society 
who actually values hindsight, doesn't behave that way. No matter how much you believe a thing, no matter how many decisions you made based on it, if you're wrong, you would want, if you actually meant hindsight is 2020, you'd want to know you were wrong and you'd want to correct course at that point. All right? So we, <laughs> we have caught the media doing this over and over and over again. And our response to somebody that shows it to us is, shut up, you're a conspiracy theorist. Shut up, you Trump-supporting idiot. Shut up, you libtard. Pick your insult, right? Pick your insult. That's the response to somebody that speaks out with the truth or even presents an alternative view. And we continue to trust the media. So nobody that trusts a known liar has 20-20 hindsight. How many times would you let somebody lie to you and still trust them? And I know a lot of people are going to say zero. You know, there are white lies there are lies of incompetence, etc. Somebody that's maybe been untruthful with you once, you may examine it, understand why they did it, realizing they were not trying to call, cause harm. You may give this individual or this entity or this group a second chance. We are a society of second chances. I believe that. Thank God we get second chances. God knows I've needed them. But if you have an unrepentant liar who doubles down on lies, who continuously lies, and when you take your hindsight and you look at it, you go, this fucker knew. They knew they were lying when they did this. And eventually they admit they knew they were lying when they did it. If you still trust that person, you basically said hindsight is bullshit. I don't need it. Well, they were lying all the other times. But it's true now. No. No. We, hindsight is blind. In our country and in modern society, hindsight is blind. People don't learn because they don't want to learn. They don't want to and they don't have to because, again, we've disrupted the pain cycle. We've disrupted the feedback loop. People with college degrees, you know what percentage of people in society today, especially if we take out the few boomers still doing their jobs? About 68 percent of people with college degrees do not use their degree. Now, the way you get this number, you can't even trust the feedback. See, I've learned when I get a statistic, I need to dig deeper into the statistic because I actually value hindsight. I hope you do, too. So when you do that, you'll see something like 40 percent of people say they don't use their degree. OK, that's pretty bad, but it would mean the majority do. But about 28 percent say I can't find a job in my field of study. See, if you use logic, fact and reason, you put those two numbers together, don't you? Right. Don't, don't you put those two numbers together. I'm not using my degree. This is out of a, a total of 100%, by the way. It'd be different if you were breaking out different ways of looking at the numbers. You know, if it was 40% of people don't use their degree, and of that, 28% of them say the reason they don't. No, it's not that. It's literally, how do you answer this question? I am or I am not using my degree. And you got multiple choices. I am. I'm not. I can't find a job in my field of study. I dropped out of college. Those are the categories that I got this from. So even when they told the truth, they lied by splitting two numbers that are the same thing. I can't find a job in my field of study is I'm not using my degree. That's what it means. 68% of people that go to college never use their degree. So what do we keep doing? We have upped the pressure 
on young people to go to college. We have upped the cost of college. We have upped the pressure to take debt to go to college. A society with hindsight would go, wait a minute. We are already, like, not even in the top 20, I don't think, officially at this point, for education K through 12, okay? We're sending a higher percentage of our population to university-level college than most of the rest of the world. Almost 70% of people that come out of that system don't use their degree. I, I think there's a problem here. No, 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 no. What we need is we need to make it easier for people to get in. We need to make it easier for people to borrow money. And then I got a great idea. We should make the people who are successful pay the bill for the tuition for the people who went to school. There's no way hindsight means jack shit to a society that does this. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Climate change, doomsday in 10 years, has been officially a thing since 1989. That's over 30 years. We've had three times that the 10-year clock ran out. So what do we say? Oh, i got 12 years now. Like, I'm serious as a heart attack. You can find an article that was reposted, repasted, added on to, et cetera, because it was coming from a source, Associated Press, dated 1989. All these experts, all these bigwigs saying, if we do not address climate change in the next 10 years, it is the absolute end of mankind. It's all over. It's too late after that. There's no way we'll ever come back from it. We only have 10 years, 1989. I think by 1999, we should have said, hey, dickheads, seriously. You said we had 10 years. No, no, now we got 10 more. No, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Explain how you got it wrong. Before I take your new prediction and run with it and assume that you're right, and maybe you are, okay, maybe this is a problem. Maybe it's a problem, but you've over you've overexpressed the the, the 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 size of the problem. Oh yeah! Before we can have any of that conversation, you need to tell me how you and all these other assholes, with all your letters after your name, got this wrong. And and of course the answer is they knew they were lying when they lied. You're back to one of the other points. You're trusting the media and you're trusting a scientific body that's forgotten its mission even though you've caught them lying and being wrong, and you've never held them accountable, right? I know you can't hold them accountable, but that's what a society that had any, any concern whatsoever for hindsight would do. Wait a minute. You guys all said this thing. You were all wrong. Tell us how you got it wrong. Tell us why you got it wrong. Tell us what you've changed about your method to get it right this time. We don't do that. Because we haven't learned anything. We might do that about, hey, you guys all said if I got this shot, I wouldn't get this sickness. And then this person got the shot and they got sick. Or then you said if they got the shot, well, they wouldn't get a severe case. And then all these people did and they got a severe case. And then you said, but well, you won't die. And then all these people that did the shot thing die. Wait a minute. Before I listen to you anymore, how'd you get that wrong? What were you wrong about? Like, what have you adjusted? What have you changed? The science changed. Yeah, okay, I get that. I get that. The science changed. That's nice. Science should change. It should evolve. That's why it's never settled. So while we're on that discussion, what did you get wrong? How did you get it wrong? Why did you get it wrong? What have you adjusted that your predictions into the future can now be trusted as being anything close to reality? Never do it. Never will do it. Not going to happen because the society has been educated in such a way that they're incapable of thinking the way that I'm telling you to think right now.
And I am telling you how to think. And I do not apologize for telling you how to think. Somebody freaking needs to. Okay? What I won't tell you is what to think. I'm so often accused of that. You tell people that they're what they need to think. No. And that's not what these people object to. They get pissed off at me, by the way. They do not think that I'm even saying what they say I'm saying. They change the tactic on their vector of attack because they know if you attack with logic and reason, you're going to lose, or at least you're going to have to work hard. They don't want to work hard. Working hard is hard. I don't want to do that. I don't want to intellectually engage with a person who can think for themselves. That's painful. I don't want to do that. I might learn something about myself, and I might like that. I don't want that. No, 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 no. Screw that. This guy, he's important. He says you're wrong, so you're wrong. Okay, sure. Anyway, how about the fact that every single solution involves giving the government more money? Every major problem in society has gotten worse in the last 70 years. Name one that hasn't. Tell me we don't have more poor people. Tell me we don't have more drug-addicted people. Tell me we don't have more fat people. Tell me we don't have more stupid people. Tell me we don't have higher debt per, per capita. Right? Give me a problem that between 1970 and today, government touched, we put money into it, and it was fixed. There's zero that we're fixed, not one. It's not in government's nature to fix a problem because without a problem, they can't justify their existence. But I'll, 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 I'll dial it back. Tell me when it got better. Tell me when they got better. And about the only one that got better, they hate that it got better. They lie about it getting better. The only problem that I can think of between 1970 and up till about 10 years ago, improved was racism. Racism as a problem got better. It got to a point where there's racists. There will always be racists. There'll be racists that are black and they're racist against white people. Whites that are racist against black people. There, there are racists. You look at the two people and you don't even understand that they're a different race and they're racist against each other. That is human nature. It will always exist. But institutionalized racism Publicly backed racism, accepted racism in public, dramatically improved. And if you don't think so, you're young or really, really, really stupid. Really stupid. I'm going to tell you, if you're a 50-year-old dude that was an 8-year-old boy in Jacksonville, Florida, in 1980, when somebody says it's not better, you know they are full of shit because in your own personal hindsight, you saw the change happen. I grew up at a time when I was a young kid, you know, sub two digit age. You heard the N word in public all the time and not one black dude calling another black dude that in pushing back against white guys. You heard it out in public, all the, especially in the South. And what are the, they hate it. They hate that it got better. And here's the thing. Yeah, the government touched it some, but it's not what really changed. We changed. We did it without them. We did it without. I, I don't have another one. Gay rights, maybe. They also hate that, right? The two that you could actually say between 1970 and 2020 got better. The left, the government itself hates that it got better. They insist it's still a problem because, again, they can't solve a problem. We've learned nothing from this.
how about like why do we prep? Most of the people listen to this show, I assume you listen to a show called The Survival Podcast, right? You're a prepper. Why do we prep? Because with hindsight, disasters always result in shortages, right? Problems, runs on supplies, misery, suffering, people sitting on their roof waiting for somebody to come get them in a John boat. Like, we've seen all this in the last 20 years, okay? Most people have zero reserves and zero plans. Well, people say, well, I can't afford to have reserves. It's too expensive. I'm barely getting by. This will be the same person guzzling a $6 coffee every morning, okay? And an egg bite, $5 worth of Starbucks egg bites that could be made with a dollar's worth of eggs. If you had an IQ higher than a goldfish, you would make your own coffee and eggs. And I don't have a problem with somebody buying coffee and egg bites and paying that much money for them. As long as they're not telling me they don't have money. That's when I tell you you're a dumbass and I don't want to talk to you anymore. If you have money and that's how you choose to spend it and your other rest of your life is okay, so that, take that excuse away. Because you could be doing something. You could, And you know what it costs to plan? Nothing. I, 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 you know, if you don't have a computer or whatever, I guess you're that broke, I'll give you a dollar for a notebook. Like, just having copies of your documents, where you would go, like some forethought. Most people have zero. How can you say hindsight's twenty twenty? When we've lived through this global scandemic and people fought each other over a package of dry goods like beans that they didn't even know how to cook. People sprinted to the back of freaking Costco to fight over a mega pack of toilet paper. And three years later, they got zero jack shit in reserves. No plan. People suffered, suffered through one of the worst blackouts at the worst time three years ago in the state of Texas. It wasn't anybody's really, it really wasn't anybody's fault. It was the, it was the coldest snap in this part of the country that's happened in a hundred years. You can't design to that all the time. At least in our society, you can't. But all it is is an excuse to get Greg Abbott out of office. A lot of reasons to get Greg Abbott out of office. That's really not one of them. But the people shrieking the loudest about it to live here, ask them if they have a secondary means to provide heat to their apartment or their house. Ask them if they understand how their water works, which would be free, so that if this happens again, they can shut it off so their pipes don't burst and their house doesn't flood when the water comes back on. They don't. Ask them, ask the person that I saw with gloves on, warming their freaking hands over a hot dog roller at a QT market, if they have extra food at home and a way to heat the, no. So of course, of course. We have no hindsight. Hindsight is blindsight in modern society. How about fiat currency? We've got a lot of hindsight on fiat currency. Fiat currency, in its basic form, has existed since 1913. In its current form, has existed since 1971. You can go look across that period and with official numbers. So the real numbers are worse. Just use, use the official numbers. Let's pretend we didn't already say we can't trust the government and we can't trust the oligarchs and we can't trust the banks. Let's say that their official number was legitimate. They have devalued your money between 2 and 6% per year, compounded year over year over year for over 100 freaking years. And still people think what? My money's safe in the bank. 
Man, you bet your bottom dollar. <laughs> as good as cash. 100% of people's money is denominated in dollars for most people in society. They don't want to talk about something like silver or gold or real property or Bitcoin. No, no, no. We'll just keep using the government's money that's not even made by the government. It's actually made by the banks and printed at will. It'll all be fine because the pain feedback loop has been disrupted. The banks are going to fail. What do we do? Print more money and give it to the banks. Yeah. The, the, the system is broken so bad. Well, we'll just print money and give it to people in a form of uh, stimulus checks. Well, Jack, they had to. There was, there was a pandemic. Was there, was there a pandemic when George Bush Jr. did it? Do you remember that? Do you have enough hindsight to remember back that far when they sent out, you know, stimulus checks? Right. They didn't call them that. They call them tax refund checks, but they were on taxes he had already paid years before. What was the whole point of them? They will stimulate the economy. What did what did Jack? I'm sorry. What did what did George Bush tell Americans to do? Just a couple weeks after 9/11, when everybody was still freaked out, go shopping. Don't think any of this is new. Use your hindsight. How about people? constantly citing things as factual that 10 minutes or less will prove are not true. Conclusively not true. Like, I know you can Google anything and find somebody that says it's not true or somebody that says it's true. I'm talking about people citing things that you can look up and go, well, this isn't true. The same people saying it's true are the ones I'm actually basing on it not being true. Here's an example. There was this drug that was suggested for use during, you know, the, the, the jab period uh, called hydroxychloroquine. Let's not talk about whether or not it did anything to help somebody that had the COVID. Let's, let's let that go. They said it was dangerous. They said it was so dangerous that it should only be used in a hospital under the supervision of a doctor. Only in a hospital under the supervision of a doctor. Anthony Fauci stated when that claim was made, the Department of Veteran Affairs gives out 60,000 doses of this medication per day for outpatients, for conditions like lupus. Okay, that's obviously in conflict. If you said back then hydroxychloroquine is a safe medication, you'd get a YouTube video banned. You'd get attacked. Everybody would shriek and scream saying you're trying to kill grandma. Not even talking about whether it worked or not. Just was it a safe medication? It's one of the safest medications in the world. 80% of the world, you can go buy it over the counter. It's safer than aspirin. It was a lie. It was just repeated agnosia. Repeated, 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 repeated. It's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. It'll kill you. Come on. Come on. How in the hell do we trust anything these people say? But we do. And we continue to cite them as fact. With no, like, I just wonder how many people do what I do on a daily basis. I'll see something and go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that out there. And I go, wait a minute, wait a minute. Ah, something doesn't feel right here. Let me, do, let me do five minutes of research and go, oh, wait, this is bullshit. Or, oh, it's 50% true. And then I'll share it and I'll give that additional information. And then I'll get attacked from both sides of the issue because no one cares about hindsight. You have access to the same Internet and tools that I do. You could 
instead of reading opinions, why don't you read facts? Why don't you read history? Let's let's move on. What do we do about all this? Number one, create our own education. You got to remember, no one is going to be held accountable. You're not going to hold your local school board accountable. You might actually vote them out. You'll put new people in. They might do some things that are even a little bit better, make you feel better. But the trajectory of the system will remain the same. You need to create your own education for yourself and for your family. Now, I think homeschooling is a great thing. You know, I really do. I understand it's difficult for some people to pull off, and it doesn't work for everybody. You still need to create your own educational system for your kids. You need to create something that expands beyond what they're learning in the schools. Some of what they're learning in the schools is valid and real. Some of it is ideology and some of it is outright bullshit. You need to teach them to think independently enough to sort that for themselves if you can't extract them from that system. And for yourself, if you aren't learning one or two new things every day, you don't care about your own life. You are shitting on your dash. You're not just wasting your dash. You are crapping on your dash. For those that have never heard this before, when you will die, they are going to put you in a hole in the ground or incinerate you or whatever they're going to do. Somewhere, someplace, your name and two dates will be printed, etched in stone, something, 1970 to 2040, whatever it is. And in between those two numbers will be a dash. And I always say, don't waste your dash. If you are not proactively learning something new every day. You're crapping on your dash. You're not just work wasting it. Create your own education system. Create your own educational paradigm. Choose things to be interested in. Learn, strive, challenge yourself, or you're wasting and crapping on your dash. Two, decide on your own diet. There's no need for me to keep saying keto, 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 carnivore, ketovore, carnivore, keto, low carb. I, no need for me to say it. You know what I believe. I've proven it works. By the way, if there was hindsight, all this shit about keto doesn't work, it's no good, it's unhealthy, you'd look at thousands of people that were big fat asses that are in great shape now, and you'd go, wait a minute, that's a bad thing. But I don't care. Can you be healthier than the average American eating a diet that includes a lot of fruit? Yes, you can. There's a way to do it. I think it's a lot harder. I think for many people, it really won't get them where they want to be. But I'm okay with it because I tell you how to think, not what to think. But you need to decide and design your own diet. And if you don't, you will be fat. You will have type 2 diabetes and you will die young. I know this about you. I don't have to meet you tonight. Even the people that look thin, because there are people who can eat all this crap. They can look thin. And I've seen people, they look physically healthy. And you do a, you do labs on them, and they have an A1C of like nine or thirteen. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. So you need, you absolutely need, and I mean need, to have an intentional diet, and then stick to it. Do it for yourself. Don't do it what Jack Spirigo says. You could do worse. If you do the work, you may in fact end up where I say to be. But one way or another, you need to choose for yourself. Stop listening to the mainstream media. Stop it. Just stop listening. I don't mean never read a story, don't occasionally take something in, but stop listening to them. You need to basically judge them. Every, every word, print, 
or video, audio, whatever, that comes out of the media's mouth needs to be judged, not accepted. That's why I said don't trust them. It's worse than don't trust. It is you need to be adversarial. You need to act, like I said last week, a police detective or an attorney, and you need to try to disprove every single claim that's made. And in most instances, the best thing to do is just not listen at all. Turn them off. Shut them the off. Please. What have they done for you? Whose life is better outside of, let's say, a stock traders because of the media today? In my audience, I'm sure some executives are their life is better that, you know, like executives at pharmaceutical companies, I'm sure their life is better because of the media. I'm 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 positive that I'm sure there's politicians. I'm saying average Joe or Jane, whose life has actually been enhanced by the media, been made better? You have more money, you're happier. I'm not talking, you know, short term short term giggles watching dumbasses like the Kardashians. No, no, no. I mean Overall, your overall life is better, happier, stronger, more fortified. You're a physically healthier person because of the media. Fox News, CNN, local media, Phillies, all of it. It's on your TV or your radio. Your life's better for it. I bet you no one. I can't think of it. Again, like I said, these outliers or these people that are directly part of the system themselves, they have a feedback system, an integrated system with the media. They thrive on the media cycle. But you think the guy that's a roughneck that's working on oil rigs out in out in Midland, Texas, his life is better for watching the news? Really? Really? Show me. Prove it to me. Show me how. I'm open to being wrong. I'm willing to use my hindsight. Send me an email. Tell me how your life is better because you watch the news every day. And you're not one of these people like I'm talking about. You know, I day trade stocks and I use the media cycle to fit. Oh, okay, that's different. That's that's you parasitizing the media. Your life in general isn't better because of it. Show me the guy that works at a factory every day on swing shift in rural Pennsylvania, like where I used to live. Show me the coal miner. Show me the guy that builds cars. Show me the guy that programs computers whose life is better because they watch the news. So if something doesn't improve your life and lies to you, why would you why would you use it? Why would you use it? It doesn't make any sense. Stop doing it. Stop listening to them. Don't encourage people to join the military and don't join the military yourself. I've talked about this before. This literally hurts me to say it. I am a former soldier. I worked really hard when I was in the military. I did not take the easy path. I took every advanced school, everything I could get when I was there, everything would challenge me. If they said you can go jump out of airplanes, I'm like, sign me up. I want to do that. The military probably saved my life from the downhill path that it was on. Growing up in a a rural place that was turning into a drug hellhole with no real future in front of it. It gave me a way out. There may still be people that that's what it'll do for them. I don't know. But when I look at the, the intervention that we continue to take, when I look at the path that we're on, and I look at a woke military, I look at a military that will put somebody into a command position because they had a sex change. They're literally not qualified to do what they do. I look at a military where the Secretary of Defense is a literal coward, an actual coward. And yes, you are, sir. And if you ever want to challenge me to that, 
You can do it however you want to, physically, verbally, anyway. Open invitation. I'm sure you'll never hear it, but the, the man's a coward. You got a president that's lucky if he cannot shit his pants getting through the day. It's the commander in chief. They, I don't care what the media says. Is literally taking kickback from foreign government. Your commander in chief. We've gone how many presidents now with presidents who never served in the military? No, I, I can't. I can't. When I look at what the military is doing now, I cannot recommend. And I think that that system, it's one. I don't know why that just happened right there. Um, but it is one of the places where I actually believe you can hold people accountable. And, and, and the reason I think you can is they they need you to send your kids. And I know nobody like signs their kids. I hate when people say that. Well, why don't they sign their kids up for the military? Nobody signs their kids up for the military. You're not able to sign your kid up for the military. The closest you'll get is what my dad did. I joined when I was 17. And at that age, I needed his signature to join. But it was still my choice. Nobody signs their kids up for the military. But a lot of people influence their children in such a way that they choose the military. There was definitely some influence like that on my end. There was definitely influence like that on my end. In that I had uncles, a father, grandfathers that served, and they were held in high esteem. And I knew that when I went, that they would be like, yeah, look at young Jack following his family's footsteps. Don't encourage it anymore. If your kid wants to, you know, once they make the decision, your job as a parent, unless your kids are like, you know, chopping toes off toddlers or something, you're, 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 you know, cooking puppies or something, your job is to back them. Your job is to back them. But don't encourage it. Don't encourage it to anybody. Um, I didn't talk about this. I inferred this, but I didn't really go into it. I'll tell you how much I feel this way. Earlier this year, I was contacted by a member of the Army Golden Knights, and I would I was asked if I would do a tandem jump with him as a member of the Golden Knights. I was going to get to go up in a plane, jump out of a plane with the Army Golden Knights. Who, by the way, I am not disparaging these men. I think these are some of the finest men that you'll find. And I said yes. Filled out the paperwork, got the official sponsorship, got approval. About a month before it was going to go down, I contacted this guy and said, I am sorry to do this to you. I cannot do it. And the reason I can't do it is the it, this is a bucket list item for me. I, I, I want to do this. But the only purpose of the Golden Knights is PR to encourage recruiting, and I can't be part of that. The conflict I felt there is when you hear it in my voice, that's, that's the conflict. I know the heart of these people. But I also know that we have reached a point. They used to say you can't separate the soldier from the, the mission that they're given by the politicians. And I used to fight that. I think at this point, the mission is so wrong and so off point that it's not about whether you separate the two. It's that you can't support the mission at all in any way. And I think this is one place maybe they can be starved out some and. It's the only thing. It, it, will it matter? I don't know. But it's the only thing you can do. And that's what I'm trying to do. What can you do? Tax strategy. Reduce your tax footprint. Don't give them one more penny than you have to. I'm serious. Don't give them any more money. So many people leave money on the table every year. Accountant CPA, right? 
get a good CPA. If you're in the, the world of like a business entrepreneur, you probably want it at least once and maybe then once every couple of years to be reevaluated, talk to a tax attorney. You need to do that because they don't deserve your money. The hindsight is every dollar you give them will be wasted and spent on something that you probably would prefer they not do. So don't give it to them. That's something you can do. And it's all you can do. Right. Know the source of your food. And if you can grow at least some of your own. You know, it's one thing to create your own diet, but where's food come from? Most people don't know where their food comes from. It comes from the store. <laughs> yeah, it comes from the store, Jack. It comes from Kroger's. No, it doesn't. Kroger's is a retail outlet. One Kroger store probably has 10,000 or more sources of food that come in. If you go all the way back to the original source. How many different farmers do you think have potatoes in that case of potato chips? You don't know. You never will. How many chemical manufacturers were part of the chemicals that were used to make those potato chips never go stale? Right? People have no idea. You can make an effort. You can take the food that you're going to eat and say, you know what? At least what I'm going to do is this. I'm going to where I can, as I can, either produce my own food or know the person that produced my food. And if I don't know that, then I will know how my food was produced. And you create these layers because it is a hard thing in society today to be able to say, I grow 100% of my own food. I always tell people to say they want to do that. Well, you're not going to. So you better start widening out. But that would be, my, you know, my, my, my favorite food comes from my three-acre farm. That's my favorite food. My next favorite food comes from people that live around me. My next favorite food comes from, maybe it comes in by mail, but I know who I'm getting it from. My next favorite food, I don't know exactly who made it, but I know the beef was grass-fed and finished, and I understand that process, so I know that that's what I'm eating. Most people have no idea what they're eating, especially when they sit down and they eat something that comes in a box or a bag. What are you eating? Why are you eating it? They don't know. So at least try to know where your food comes from and grow some of your own. Build a business, build a membership, pro I'm sorry, a mentorship program. Build something in your life that's yours that you own. Because that's the only thing that you can actually hold yourself accountable to and nobody can take away from you. Now, I know people lose businesses. They lose things that they've built. I know it happens. We live in a society run by thieves. They will steal from you when they can. But you can make your position in these things. Very, very defensible. Very, very defensible. Um, and when I say no one can take it from you, I mean that you know what you have. You know how you got there. You probably could do it again. And if you don't listen to fools, it probably won't be taken from you. It probably won't be taken from you. Next, set up systems to reduce your personal pollution footprint. You know, for some that are new, when I was on about global warming hysteria, might have thought this guy didn't give a shit about the environment. I care about the environment. The person who's shrieking about global warming, who's eating avocado toast every day on toast points from Starbucks, while they're still in bed, sleeping, I'm up and I'm already setting aside things like coffee grounds for my composting. Right? I care very much about the environment. I do everything I can to handle, recycle, and upcycle my own waste. 
I teach people how to grow food. I teach people how to compost. I teach people how to use alternative energy strategies, right? I have two solar things on today as part of the monetization of my show. Even the monetization is related to energy independence. You need... You need to you need to care about this, but then you have to understand that like most people that claim to care about this, they don't care about this. You look at these like these climate rallies and look what the place looks like when everybody leaves. It's a freaking disaster. It's a flaming freaking disaster. You 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 have like just garbage everywhere. All these people that claim to be concerned about the environment and masks, and you got masks laying everywhere. Looks like a homeless camp. It's not a homeless camp. It's a Walmart parking lot. This pollution is a problem. Again, I grew up in the coal region. I know what a coal slush dam is, and there's no water in a coal slush dam. It has nothing to do with that. Why they call it a dam, we won't get into today. It's all the residue that's left over after the coal goes from the breaker. And the things that are separated, the rock, the sulfur, said it's coated in this coal dust, is shipped off to the site. You know, I saw streams that ran orange slime rock water. And they did so because of environmental pollution. This stuff matters. But you're not going to fix it with regulation. You're not going to fix it with any of this stuff. What you can do, though, is you can care enough about it to set up your own systems to deal with your own impact on it. So do that instead of telling somebody else what to do. See, when people start telling somebody else what they need, you need to do this, you need, what they're saying is, well, I just want somebody to fix it. I don't want to actually help. I want somebody else to do it. And division class warfare is how we got there. Money, stack Bitcoin, save in silver and gold, invest in land, tools, skills, et cetera, in real value assets. If you're like, oh, I don't believe in Bitcoin, then do the other shit I just said. I'm so sick of that. I'm so sick of you assholes. You tell, tell somebody to do something. Well, I don't like that. Well, then do the other thing. Do the other, stop making excuses. You, if you listen to this whole thing, and when I say that, that's your response. Well, yeah, I don't want to do that. And I give you five things to do, and you pick the one you don't want to do and use it to write off the other four. You just wasted so far one hour, 17 minutes, and 51 seconds of your life. Turn it off right now. Don't listen no more. You're not ready yet. If that wasn't your reaction, good. Let's keep going. Figure out how to build as much lasting value in your life that you can. A garden that produces $1,000 worth of food a year is a real asset. $1,000 in the bank in 10 years won't be worth $500. Right now, the way they're going, it might not be worth $250. Think about how you store your wealth. That's all I'm saying. I'm giving you different ways to do it. You know, but if you actually use hindsight... And you looked at what's going on in the world of Bitcoin since I started telling you about it in earnest in 2013. And if you look at what following my advice would have done for you had you done so, not all the way back in the beginning when people paid 10,000 Bitcoin for a pizza, 2013. We're already into the hundreds of dollars territory. They already said it was a bubble. If you just looked at what my advice was and realized that you followed it, you'd be a multimillionaire right now. You might stop pushing back. You might if you learn from hindsight, but instead... You want to cling to an outdated belief system and you're clinging to a monetary system that was designed to steal from you. Let me say that again. You're clinging to a monetary system that was designed to steal 
from you. One more time. And then you do what you want with it. But this is fact, and I defy you to disprove it. You are in a monetary system that was designed with the intent and has been executed such that it achieves its intent and it steals from you. And this is not class warfare. This is not the rich have too much and don't pay their fair share. I don't care if you're rich, middle income, poor. I don't care what you are. If you're holding money, this system was designed to steal value from the money that you are holding, period, infinity. And if you continue to do that, you deserve what you get. It's not like it just happened. It's not like it's new. It's a hundred and what, hundred and nine years old ish, hundred and ten years old, something like that. No, 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 no. It's a hundred and ten. Yeah, it's a hundred ten years old. It was a system of 110 years. It's done exactly what I said for 110 years. You still believe in it. A system that was stealing money from your dead great grandparents, and you're still part of it, and you don't have to be. You're, you know, Jack, you take money. Yeah, I take money, and I hold money, and I said, yeah, yeah, I, I'm part of it, but I'm not all in on it. I have alternatives. That's all I'm saying. On some levels, we have to use what's available, but we don't have to hang our future on a system we know is going to steal from us. It's not just unethical. It's also stealing from you. I don't, yeah. And then be a prepper. Have reserves. Have a plan. You know, have have a financial reserve. I know I just attacked the dollar, but you should have some reserve in dollars because what you're going to pay your bills with. This is not hard. This is not hard. Let's see if we can take a few comments and questions. There's only a few. Of course, one good eye and uh, not everybody following the rules about putting everything in all caps. So if you got something you want me to talk about right now, put it in all caps right now. I will come back to the other side after I go through these four, and I will see what I can come up with. said, how about the explosion in the quantity of childhood vaccines? Sure. Absolutely. It's amazing to me that somebody like me will be called anti-vax. When I say something like, I think we were in pretty good shape about 1983 with the way that we handle vaccinations with our kids. And then just look at the difference. You can go do that for yourself. And I do believe that there are absolutely side effects from vaccines because the manufacturers of vaccines say that there are. Some of them are very serious. And if you increase the number, you increase the number of reactions and side effects. Very simple. If there's, I don't care how low the number is. If it's one-tenth of one percent, the law of large numbers. And if we go from, you know, having like, I think it was something like 15, 20 shots by the time you were you know, in, in high school to like over a hundred, you're going to have more reactions. But if we don't learn from, you know, if we don't have hindsight. We wouldn't know that. Would we? We would like, cause it, they make it like if we didn't do all of these people would just be falling over dead all over the place. Well, how many, how many kids were just falling over dead of childhood diseases in 1985? I was a kid then. I know the answer was almost none of them. Almost none of them. Almost zero. And certainly it wasn't for measles or mumps or rubella or, you know, any of these things. It just wasn't. Um, Ikemouse says, Jack, watching Bernie with his mittens again. I don't know what that was about, Ikemouse. If you want to clarify, maybe I'll comment on it. Ikemouse also said, the brain is a muscle. If it's not exercised daily, it deteriorates. It absolutely is. And it's not really a, so much that it's a muscle. It's a good analogy. Of course, the brain is actually composed of fat. That might be a good reason to eat some fat. But um, 
It's certainly a tool. And it is a tool that gets more powerful the more that it is used. And it's also, it's worse than just not being used. It's whatever it's used for, it gets better at. So if it's used for obedience, it gets better at being obedient. If it gets used so that we can make these people hate these people, either side that you're on, you get better at hating other people, the people that are not in your tribe, right? If it gets used to manipulate others, it gets better at that. You know, I think I don't think people have a hard time understanding this, and it's part of why they fear artificial intelligence, that if we teach a computer to do a thing, it'll get really good at that, and that's dangerous. Well, when we teach a group of people to hate another group of people, and they spend all their days hating other people a little bit, just like if I just do a little bit of weightlifting every day my whole life, it's going to make my muscles bigger, then it's going to make my brain stronger at hating people. If we, if people use their brains to figure out reasons to obey the state, obey the media, and obey the education system, and obey the altar of science, they're going to get really good at doing those things. It's actually, Ikemaus' point is actually really poignant, but it's, it's poignant in a direct way, as she meant it, but it's actually more poignant in that indirect way. What, is, what are our brains? What are the brains of our children being conditioned to do right now, and why are they getting better at it? And Jeffrey says, what is your number three favorite food? I think I answered that when I gave the cascade of where my food comes from. But if you mean it as my, my number three favorite food of like, you know, if my favorite food was lobster, I don't know. I don't really have a favorite food that way. So I, I don't know how you meant it. But if you mean it like in order of hierarchy comes from my farm, comes from somebody that I know that's in my general area. Number three, you know, so I'm dealing directly with the producer, either locally or even not locally. Like I, I know exactly who produced it. Like that would be number two. Number three is I know how it was produced. I have an assurance that I trust that my beef really was grass fed, uh, that my, you know, that the, the, the greens that I'm buying really weren't sprayed with a toxin. It doesn't just say organic because that doesn't mean shit anymore. So, so that would, I hope that answers your question, Jeffrey. Um, Ikemouse says, Jack, Bernie and Mittens warming hands over fire comment you made earlier. <laughs> Did he really do that? I didn't know the whole story of that. I had no idea about that. Um, Jeff says, what am I ordering? Whatever I can't get that I have to order. You know, I, I don't get the question, man. Stan Bridge, I thought it was pretty clear. Can you discuss the how not only inflation is theft, but the lack of deflation is theft? Well, not allowing deflation to occur is theft. And deflation is actually so powerful, it happens all the time anyway. Uh, the cost of goods and services moves toward the nominal cost of production. That's that's something that, you know, you probably won't learn in college economics, though it sounds like something you should. And what I mean by that is if you look at your phone, for instance, right, and you look at the apps on your phone, most of them are free. And many of them that are free, they don't even like harvest your data or anything like that. Like on here is a calculator app. And that's because people use calculators. Calculators are useful. They're functional. But the reality is the, the, the amount of code that was laid down, like I've never owned one of these without a calculator on it. And long before I owned a smartphone, I had a computer and I had a calculator on it. And you don't pay for your calculator because it's such a simple thing to produce and it doesn't require updating 
that it has a production cost. In other words, the next one costs zero. So the price moves to zero. And if you look at the place where deflation is the most prominent is in technology. Like if you think about what, you know, even something, if you look compared to like a, a, a PC or something, a MacBook is expensive. But if you look at what a MacBook computer can do compared to a computer that you paid 10 times as much for 20 years ago, it's insane because technology is so deflationary. It's so deflationary that it breaks their system and they hate it, by the way. And so you have to ask yourself, how many other things could be that way? Because there's part of what it plays into the inflation deflation scenario is also the supply and demand law. So how much of demand is artificially created? How much of supply is artificially constrained? That's some of the stuff he's mentioned in there. Stan was mentioning. I can only go so long today. Ebor says a little bit off topic, but do you know how many vendors are necessary for a robust barter network? Uh, to have a robust barter network, it's not really about a quantity of vendors. It's a sufficient supply of items that are necessary uh, and are not possessed by other parties. So what I mean by that is you can't barter with me with eggs. I don't care if we have a, a network of 100,000 people. I don't want any eggs from anybody. We sell eggs. I would barter eggs out. Don't barter a lot of eggs. Mostly it's money, right? And that's why money exists. And I think we need to stop this barter shit. If it works, it works. When it works, it's better. It usually doesn't. That's why money exists. You just, you, I don't care how many people you have. You're going to find that there are certain things that can be easily created, and that's what everybody does. So you could barter with me next door if you produce rabbits, right, and you didn't have eggs, and you liked eggs, and a couple times a year you wanted a few ducks to eat. We could have an ongoing barter relationship. And let's say you liked some of the vegetables I grew, but you didn't want to garden. X number of bunnies and give me some, again, give me, you know, a five gallon bucket of rabbit pellets a month. We got all kinds of barter just between two, but that's because we're well matched. And, and the reality is that we are not going to be well-matched in a barter network in of itself. And we don't, even the things I do need that you make, I don't necessarily need it when I need the thing that I want. And so an economic system just functions better with a form of energy storage, right? Because that's what money is. Real money is a form of energy storage. Gold! Okay, gold is worth dick in the ground. That's not worth shit until somebody digs it out, separates it, puts it into a known quantity and a known quality, and gives some mark that says this is one-tenth of an ounce of gold, and it's, you know, 22 carat or whatever. It's worth dick. It's the energy that goes into the extraction, the refinement, the production, the sizing. That's what gives it value. It's a representation of the energy that got it out of the ground. It's not just scarcity. It's energy plus scarcity. Um, yeah, 
We need money. Um, Jeff says solar was never as good as I'd hoped it would be, but it is a must. And then he said, sorry, that wasn't supposed to be in all caps. It's not a question. Okay. All right. That's no, no big deal. Uh, I'm just trying to hit everybody. Ika Mouse says tornado warning in her immediate area. Be right back. Ika Mouse, keep your head down and your powder dry. I hope you'll be all right and don't lose any stuff today. You, I, I have a feeling you'll be okay. Um, Another question said, have I looked up pig wings yet? Yeah, yeah, I did. Sounds interesting. Not something I'm going to change my life over, though. Anyway, guys, I really appreciate you guys being with me today. And let's go ahead and wrap up. Let me remind you that one of the ways you can help support this show and the work that we do is do your online shopping starting at tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Hey, I picked on the people that pay $5 a cup for coffee at Starbucks today. So make your own. How about I give you the best way I know to make your own coffee? A insulated French press mug by a company called Secura made out of stainless steel. I originally found this mug. We had a glass one or a French press. We had a glass one. I really liked it. But we were getting ready to go on vacation. And Dorothy's like, last time I went on vacation, we had to use drip coffee maker. And I don't really like it anymore. And so we should take the French press. And I looked at the glass French press. I thought about what my baggage looks like when I get it back and said, well, if I want my clothes or your clothes to be completely full of glass shards, and uh, not to have the mug when we get there or get back, then maybe what we should do is get a metal one. So I started doing research, and I found this, and it became our choice in the world. Well, it's on sale today. The 34-ounce version, which makes two cups of coffee if you use big full-size cups, not little bitty cups. Uh, they're actually tea cups, not coffee cups. makes about two cups, in my opinion. And a 50-ounce version makes about three. 34-ounce version is knocked down 46% off. 50-ounce version is marked down 41% off. If you give this thing a try, you'll like it. If you check it out, it's on the website right now at thesurvivalpodcast.com. It's not at the top. Just scroll down. You'll find it real quick. If it's recent since the show's been published. Um, just look at the comments and how many people own it and have great things to say about it. And you notice that's all taken apart, like the screens are taken apart in the picture. That's how you can clean this thing perfectly it never wears out. I have one that's like seven years old now, and it still works like the day that I bought it. And even that little uh, push plunger on the top actually broke off. Don't put this thing in the dishwasher, by the way. There's no reason to, and that's probably what happened to it. Um, it still works without it. And what I think I'm going to do is get one of the little pull knobs for like a drawer or something and epoxy it to the lid just so I don't have to push that little thing. But it works just fine. Um, and that's after seven years of using it multiple times every single day. 365 days a year. We do not go a day in this household without a couple cups of coffee. With that, remember, you can always support us no matter what you buy. If you start your shopping at tspaz.com. Hey, and what about this cool looking hat on my head? Would you like one of these? I think you would. Come on. It's cool, isn't it? You know why I'm wearing my hat today? I'll tell you the truth. I have started keeping my hair really short. I like it. What I like about it is when you keep your hair really short, you don't have to worry about styling your hair. You don't have to worry about blow drying it. You don't have to worry about looks. It just looks. There's no way for it to look wrong. It's too short. When it starts to grow back, you reach a point where it's too short to reason with it. And, and you know, it's not long enough to actually kind of fix it until you get your hair cut. That's the one downside. And my hair looked like butt today. So I'm like, I'll just put a hat on. I'm like, hey, I should feature this product. It's a cool hat. We got a bunch of them. They're all available at tspswag.com. And we have some stuff there for you Bitcoiners. Uh, we have some stuff there 
that is not specifically on brand. It's just cool stuff. We have some really great mugs and stuff like that. If you never checked out TSPSwag.com before, check it out today. Anything you buy there also helps support the show. And because I have a partner involved with that, it helps support a small business as well that's not part of TSP directly anyway. With that, guys, I hope you enjoyed today's show. I will catch you tomorrow. I'm going to go find out how much this air conditioning repair cost me. Probably going to have to sell a whole lot of hats to pay for it. Anyway, with that, take care. I'll be back tomorrow with another episode. Are they going to bail you out or just run you around? They said you should have a house. The American way A dollar down, a dollar a month And you never have to pay There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way Yeah.